Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday, and welcome back to another edition of the Auburn Undercover Podcast. This is Nathan King from AuburnUndercover.com, and we've got a lot of stuff to get into here on this Friday morning, recording this here on Friday morning, and uh, you better get all this information in right now um, because there might be a bunch of new coaches to talk about here in a few hours with how fast things moved yesterday. might be some new player decisions to talk about, Um, and that's kind of what we're going to go over today, um, giving some context to everything that happened on Thursday because the you know, the shape of the, the 2021 team, it, it, you know, it's starting to come together. Things are starting to get clearer um, as Coach Brian Harson, the new Auburn head coach, hired um, toward the end of last month, is starting to put together his staff. Uh, most importantly, the two coordinator spots have now been filled. And then there are a bunch of NFL guys, a bunch of Auburn players who are, you know, on the fringe, on the NFL fence, um, trying to make some decisions about whether they're going to return to the program. Um, and so we've got some of those now. Um, a, few for, a few still for the future that need to be made. And obviously Brian Harson's staff, um, nowhere near complete, but uh, the, the building blocks for it are coming together. So we'll just start with the big one, um, or at least I guess I view it as the big one. Um, you know, I guess you can, you can view the two coordinator positions as I guess tied. Um, but Mike Bobo is coming. A lot of Auburn fans are going to recognize that name. It's funny, you know, you, you look at a, you look at a coach and wherever they're hired from, obviously that's the title they're given. So Mike Bobo, you know, he comes in technically, you know, we write, we talk about South Carolina offensive coordinator, um, Mike Bobo, but Auburn fans are going to remember him from Georgia. I mean, that's, that's, that's what they're going to think about when they think about Mike Bobo. And this is a decision that, or this was news that I guess it was, um, it was Friday morning. So I guess it was Wednesday night um, that rumblings of this started to happen. Um, Things started to kind of roll in. And it was picking up a lot of steam. People thought, okay, um, wow, this is, this is what Harson is going to do. And I, and I don't think um, it was received particularly well on Wednesday night. Um, a lot of people respect Mike Bobo a lot. Um, he's been a great offensive coordinator, um, a great quarterback trainer, which I think is something that Bo Nix really needs at Auburn. Um, you know, it's not going to be easy for him. Bo Nix is going into his third season at Auburn. It's a very... Uh, it's been a very Jason Campbell-ish ride for him because he's now on his third offensive coordinator um, in three seasons. Auburn, this is now their fifth offensive coordinator in six seasons. The only guy recently to stay for multiple years um, was Chip Lindsey. Everybody else now is uh, you know bouncing after a year, Auburn making a new move after a year. Obviously now Chad Morris is out um, after just one season. The former Arkansas head coach um, spent one year at Auburn. He was uh, definitely a Gus Malzahn hire through and through one of Gus Malzahn's best buddies in the coaching industry. Um, so obviously he will not return um, now and with the hire of Mike Bobo, it's been made official um, by Auburn. And so I, you know, I, I just don't think a lot of people um, really got jazzed by this hire as soon as it happened, or I guess as soon as we started to realize that this was the direction that Brian Harson was going to go. But me personally, and I think a lot of other people kind of did this same thing. Um, I've talked myself into it just a little bit. Um, and the reason I've done that is because, and, I, and look, I get it if people 
um, are still adverse to it and, and are still um, kind of underwhelmed with it. I do get that. But I think right now there's a larger faction of people um, who kind of see the situation as, look, Brian Harson, an offensive guy, right? Um, he's got his offense. It's kind of a multiple um, pro style offense. Like I, I don't claim to be a, a football, you know, mind or anything like that. Um, that's going to be able to tell you everything about the intricacies of an offense, but Harson and Bobo sort of have the same ideas um, for, for what an offense should look like, what quarterback play should look like. You kind of saw that. Um, if you go and look at Harson's quotes about Bobo, you know, kind of they're both of their opening statements, if you will, um, in Auburn's official announcement, both of them kind of talking about, we've been looking forward to this for a long time. Um, obviously, when Bobo was the head coach at Colorado State, he coached against Brian Harson in the Mountain West. For, I think three years, they went against each other every single year. Um, and then Harson, obviously, you know, even when, even when Bobo first came to Colorado State, uh, you got to know who Brian Harson is because Boise State was obviously dominating that conference. And so they've, they've sort of watched each other from afar for a while, both really well-respected offensive minds um, in the sport, really experienced guys um, who know how to develop quarterbacks, who know how to put together pro-style offenses. And so it's sort of a pro-style um, mixed with spread, you know, kind of modern stuff. Uh, mixed in there as well. And the reason I've sort of talked myself into it is because Bobo, I think, this is just what I, I, I think and theorize, and with talking to some people on the message boards yesterday, I think other people kind of fall in the same line of thinking, and that's that Bobo is going to be here um, to create an offense to, you know, during practice, during the days of the week, um, to make sure that Auburn has an offensive game plan and that Auburn is going to be able to execute what Brian Harson wants to do on offense because he's so similar in terms of his, his theories and his philosophies. Um, I mean, I know a lot of people got attached to Jeff Levy, um, the Ole Miss offensive coordinator, sort of at the beginning of this process. A lot of people thought, um, you know, you look at how many points Ole Miss has scored this year um, and just other offensive coordinator names from schools and, and teams this year that scored a lot of points. And look, I get that, um, getting excited about those kind of guys, whereas Bobo, not necessarily been tearing it up the past few seasons. You look back at Georgia, though, and those were some efficient offenses. Um, but the second thing, the, the second reason that really I'm like, okay, um, this makes sense is because, again, Harson's an offensive guy. He has his ideas for what he wants to do with the offense. But he needs somebody to make sure um, that the quarterback development is, is going to be doing the right thing um, because talk about Bo Nix. I mean, again, three offensive coordinators in three seasons. I do think, I mean, Demetrius Davis, the freshman quarterback out of Texas, I do think he's going to give Bo a little bit of push um, in that for that starting job. I, I, I do think um, – I don't think there's much of a question Bo Nix is going to be Auburn's starting quarterback in 2021. But, I mean, just this whole past season, and, I, and a lot of it was because of the offensive line. A lot of things were out of Bo's control. Um, but mechanics-wise and, and just kind of the, the basic expected fundamental um, step forward that you would expect a sophomore quarterback to take – it didn't really happen under Chad Morris. And look, Chad Morris was heralded when he was hired um, as a quarterback guru as well, um, just like Mike Bobo is. I mean, Mike Bobo, guys like Matthew Stafford, Aaron Murray, um, David Green um, at Georgia, obviously were really, really good under him. I'm pretty, I mean, I think Aaron Murray was the SEC's all-time touchdown pass leader. Um, those other guys were five-star quarterbacks who performed 
really well. And so Harson has his ideas for this offense. He knows what he wants this offense to do. Um, he, he's kind of like putting some ideas together for the personnel that they have and the players that they have, how, how they're going to be able to succeed. I think they've got a lot of great pieces, obviously. You know, he's going to have more talent here than he ever had at Boise State just because of the way that Auburn is able to recruit just by default. And so you need a guy who's going to be a quarterback trainer. Um, you need somebody that's going to make sure that Bo Nix takes the right steps. And look, even, even at the places that Mike Bobo has been since Georgia, Colorado State, and then, and then one season at South Carolina, um, you've seen him take some, some less than average quarterbacks in terms of maybe a recruit um, and do some good things with them. And so I, I just think um, looking at it now, again, I do understand people who wanted a, a splashier, um, hire, you know, a guy that's been scoring lots of points or something like that to be the offensive coordinator. But the way I'm looking at it, look, I mean, Bobo was mentioned, uh, sort of rumored and talked about, um, reported by some people on our site on the message boards that um, he was going to be a guy that Kevin Steele was going to go after if Kevin Steele was Auburn's head coach, ended up being Auburn's head coach. Um, and I think, <laughs> I think a lot of people feel differently now. I think, I think there's a big difference and I don't blame them. I, I really do think, I don't think it's just, Oh, people didn't want Kevin Steele. I think there's a big difference between having a head coach who clearly has a plan, clearly has a vision for the program right now in Brian Harson, and especially on offense, just cause he's an offensive guy. There's a difference between a guy who is hiring a well-respected veteran offensive coordinator to kind of fulfill his vision for the offense um, and for the success of the football team. Then for a guy like Kevin Steele, um, people were just going to kind of think, okay, these are just kind of two older, um, more experienced, but at the same time, not necessarily um, going to jump off the page to you uh, coaches on the same staff. It, I think it just felt more stale when it was going to be Kevin Steele hiring Mike Bobo. To me, this feels a little better. Um, and so we'll stop rambling now about, about Mike Bobo. But again, he's new, new Auburn offensive coordinator. Um, I would expect them to introduce both he and Derek Mason, Auburn's new defensive coordinator, who we'll get to in a minute. Um, I would expect them to introduce them, I guess, within the next two weeks. Um, again, everything like that is interesting now because you don't have in-person stuff. It'll be over Zoom. Um, we'll have all that covered for you guys. So uh, hopefully that'll be sometime soon. I I'd love to hear both of them speak about this pick because they were both guys who, uh, look, Mike Bobo was, was in line to be on Shane Beamer's staff the new South Carolina head coach. He was in line to, to be their quarterback's coach and their offensive coordinator next season. Um, he was offered a raise. He was offered a contract extension. Um, I actually don't think it was a raise. Um, it was 1.2 million per year. And so um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, you know, we'll get the documents back. We'll get um, the information from Auburn once they respond to our document requests to see if Auburn has to pay these buyouts. You know, if Auburn, if, if Bobo signed an extension and if Will Friend, who's the new offensive line coach, um, who we're going to talk about now, if he signed his new deal as well with South Carolina, um, then, you know, the buyout might be a little bit bigger. Um, and so getting in, staying on the offensive side of the ball, a guy that Bobo wanted to bring in, a guy that um, is sort of just following him to the staff um, is Will Friend, um, Tennessee's offensive line coach for the past three seasons. Now, again, it is talking about, you know, quote, South Carolina offensive coordinator Mike Bobo. Um, this is technically South Carolina offensive line coach, Will Friend, which is pretty funny because, uh, you know, he's been at Tennessee the last three seasons, and that's where he's kind of made his mark in terms of the coaching world. Um, but he did go to South Carolina. He was planning on being um, on Shane Beamer's staff next season. And then Mike Bobo has a change of heart, and Auburn's able to pull him away, um, and they want him to have his offensive line guy. 
And so that's, I think, a big step um, in its own right, just kind of from a principle standpoint, in that a lot of people were concerned about the stipulations, um, you know, what the President Gouge talked about after making the hire, and a lot of people were concerned during the hire um, about, you know, oh, you're not going to be able to hire your guy, you know, you're going to be told who to retain and all that kind of stuff. And we're not done with all the coaches. We don't know who's going to be retained. But I think it's pretty obvious that that is not going to be the case. Um, it's pretty obvious that Brian Harson's able to hire whoever he wants. Um, he's able to get whoever the heck he wants. He's, a, he's able to interview whoever he wants. Um, and he might not retain some of the people um, that, that people thought he would retain. And so I don't think he's being, um, you know, hamstrung by the university at all in terms of these coaching hires. I think he really is, you know, being allowed to go out and, and vet the candidates that he wants. And so Will Friend comes in, spent the last three seasons as Tennessee's offensive line coach and where you can start to get excited about this if you're an Auburn fan is look, Auburn's blue chip ratio, meaning the amount of five-star and four-star offensive tackles and offensive linemen that's signed recently, as opposed to the number of three-star and two-stars, that's, that's your blue chip ratio, um, has been really low. One of, the, one of the worst in the SEC, one of the worst in the country overall. And this is a guy at Tennessee who brought in five-star linemen after five-star linemen, um, blue chip linemen, you know, guys – he really was able to kind of load up that Tennessee offensive line. Look, get heading into – it was either heading into last season or this season. I think, I think last season might have been a little bit more um, heralded for them. Tennessee was a preseason, people were saying, look, this is one of the best offensive lines in the country, um, just strictly based off of talent. So you had guys like Darnell White, a guy named Wanye Morris, um, who people remember he was a guy who committed around the same time as Owen Papo, um, it looked like Auburn had a chance there, um, and he went to Tennessee. Uh, Brandon Kennedy um, was a guy who came in from Alabama and uh, played center. He was a guy who had a lot of success. And so it's just, I think if you're an Auburn fan, um, I've seen a lot of people talking about this yesterday with Will Friend, you're already saying we feel better about the offensive line situation than we did in the past few seasons just because you weren't bringing in talent. And I think Jack McNell Jr., who obviously now is no longer on the staff after one season, I think if he had been given more time, and I think wherever he goes next, if he is allowed sort of an extensive um, situation, an extensive stint to go in there and develop talent, he is a good developer of talent. He's a guy um, who can take an offensive line room and get some of its players to play even better and, and, and kind of mold them with his NFL expertise. I think one of the reservations with Will Friend is that maybe people feel like he hasn't taken that talent at Tennessee and he didn't take that talent to the, to the highest level. I think that's sort of just a product of looking at Tennessee as a whole. Um, there's obviously a lot of other problems that go on. I mean, you can look at Auburn as a whole this past season. There's a lot of other problems that go on. Um, the offensive line was a big problem, but there was a lot of other stuff that happened around it. And so, um, you know, a reason to get excited about Will Friend, again, is the recruiting aspect of it. Just the fact that if you go to his 247 all-time recruits page, um, just a lot of blue chip offensive linemen. And um, look, Big Cat Bryant said it after the Citrus Bowl when we asked him if he'd had any conversations with Coach Harson. He said, I was real with him. I said, all you got to do down here is recruit. Um, and obviously Auburn's recruiting class right now is in the 40s easily going to be the worst I would still count it as part of the Gus Malzahn era just because it was being put together while he was the head coach you know um so he by far the worst in a while um but Harson, you know getting those top 15 classes again 
is going to be huge, but, but it's not going to mean that much if, if, the, if a lot of that talent um, and a lot of those five stars and four stars aren't coming from the offensive line. And so with a guy like Will Friend, um, not only do you have the on-field uh, connection, which is Mike Bobo, it's the guy that he wanted. He wanted his offensive line coach. So now you've kind of got the marriage there um, that you feel like is going to be successful because he's got his guy. Um, and you've got a guy that can recruit really, really well. So moving on to Derek Mason, uh, done with the offensive staff. Those are the two offensive staffers hired yesterday. We reported it early in the day. Um, and then Auburn, I think Will Friend was the last one to be announced. I believe it went Bobo, Mason, and then Friend. But Derek Mason, I mean, this is a guy 100% you can be excited about. I mean, you can definitely be excited about this guy um, being your defensive coordinator. Just because, I mean, I know, again, you, you could look at – what he did at Vanderbilt and you could look at, you know, you could say, Oh, a fired head coach. Um, not really how that works though. Um, when you have a guy like him, you know, you're either an offensive mind or a defensive minded coach. Um, the guy who was really successful at Stanford. So that's where he, that's where he kind of made his mark was at Stanford as their defensive coordinator um, out there in the PAC 12 and then was able to, to land the Vanderbilt head coaching job. Um, and he's going to be going to be a guy that I think Auburn is going to want um, a lot because of his energy and a guy that's going to coach really well on the defensive side of the ball, simply just because players want to play for him um, a lot. You know, you look at video, you just look at videos of him coaching. He's very intense. Um, but at the same time, he's very charismatic. Um, he's a guy that players just sort of gravitate to um, because he's got a ton of energy. Um, he, he sort of reminds you of, you know, an, an up and it's almost like he's an up and coming. I remember Kenny Dillingham would run around, Auburn's old offensive coordinator I remember he would run around the practice field and, and just be yelling at people and be fired up trying to get everybody energized um you know and I don't know how old uh Derek Mason is all right he's 51 uh Kenny Dillingham was about 28 years old and so you watch Derek Mason coach and he sort of reminds you of this up-and-coming assistant um that's still trying to make a name for himself and, and still trying to be that energetic guy um but then just I mean his football pedigree again Stanford um, he started as the defensive backs coach there, then was promoted. He got, was associate head coach and the defensive coordinator on Jim Harbaugh's staff. Um, and their biggest thing, if you can remember back to those early 2010 teams, because he was there from 2011 to 2013, um, excuse me, 2010 to 2013, before he took the Vanderbilt job once James Franklin left, um, they were able to shut down Oregon. Uh, you know, Mason's got that three, four defensive line that sort of lends itself, you know, you got guys playing two gaps um, sort of lends itself to being able to stop the option. If you can execute it well, because you've got guys um, sort of covering for two people and, and trying to make the right decision. And if you've got a defensive line um, that is coached up well and is making the right decisions or front seven rather um, that's making the right decisions, then you're going to be able to slow down an option team. And nobody was able to stop Oregon there in the PAC 12 and so because of that, because of that defense, I mean, that's what Stanford was known for. Um, even when you look at, you know, a guy like Andrew Luck and even more recently, a guy like Bryce Love, um, those were great offensive players for Stanford, but sort of the hallmark was, all right, we're going to just pound you on defense. We're going to not let you do anything. Um, and, you know, we're going to let our you know, one or two all Pac-12, all American. Well, the, both of those guys actually Heisman, Heisman finalists. Um, so don't want to downplay them you're going to let your really good offensive players go out there and do some work. And so um, it's an identity set up under Harbaugh um, and, and a big reason for that was Derek Mason. And so really you look at the last defensive coordinator job he had, 
and he set a standard for a program moving forward for really the next decade. Um, Stanford's still a, a team that prides itself under David Shaw, um, you know, mostly on defense, a team that's going gonna, gonna to make its living that way in the Pac-12. And so I, I think this is probably a little bit more of a sure thing maybe, at least the, the way that I look at it in terms of, you know, grading out maybe your coordinator hires. Um, I was a little bit higher. I, again, like I said, I, I kind of talked myself more into Mike Bobo like I think a lot of people did because a lot of people trust what Brian Harson is doing. Um, but, but Derek Mason wasn't somebody I had to talk myself into. And I think a lot of people sort of are in that same boat, um, in that same camp where um, great, great coach, um, great person at Vanderbilt. Obviously, you know, a lot of people ask, why didn't things work out at Vanderbilt? Why wasn't he able to recruit at Vanderbilt? Um, and you, you've pretty much answered your own questions um, by including the word Vanderbilt in your sentence. Um, it's one of the, the toughest jobs in the country, and, and that's what people in support of Derek Mason over the past day since he's been hired at Auburn have sort of been coming out and saying is that, you know, if he, if he was at any other job besides Vanderbilt where you're given, you know, the lowest resources and you're, and you're going to be either the worst or the second worst recruiting um, team, just no problem. Um, you know, it's not even, even going to be your fault, really. Um, but he did some good things. I think he had three wins. There was, a, there was a period where he had as many wins in two seasons against AP top 25 teams as Gus Melzahn did. Um, at Auburn, he had three wins over AP top 25 teams as Vanderbilt's head coach. That was more than James Franklin had when he was Vanderbilt's head coach. Now, obviously, Derek Mason, I think the best season he was able to put together was six or seven wins at Vandy. Um, James Franklin was able to put together back-to-back nine-win seasons. But, I mean, the thing is, you're not hiring him to be head coach. And so looking at Vanderbilt um, is sort of a moot point. Um, I mean, it, it's not really because he spent seven seasons there. He was there for one more season than Gus Malzahn was, by the way. He was hired a year after Gus Malzahn was hired at Auburn. Um, you know, it, it, you, you have to look at what he did. You have to look at his entire career. But really what you should be looking more at, um, you know, is, is how his defense has performed at Vanderbilt, which, again, for it being Vandy, for, for the program being what it is, the SEC bottom feeder in Vanderbilt, um, did a lot of good things, produced a lot of good defensive players. And I think a lot of people think this is a good hire. Um, I think people looking at teams like LSU and, and um, there's another SEC team that's on the tip of my tongue that I can't think about right now um, that wanted Derek Mason as the defensive coordinator. And so this hire to me, um, this combined with Mike Bobo, the coordinator hires are sort of painting the picture of what Brian Harson wants this staff to be. And that's a blend of SEC and Boise State because he doesn't know the SEC. And he was the first one to admit that in his press conference. He said, you know, I've never been down here. I've never recruited down here. Uh, certainly never coached down here. Kind of watched everything from afar. And so you get two SEC guys. Um, obviously, you know, Stanford with Derek Mason, you, he can recruit the West Coast and he can recruit down in the SEC. He sort of knows both of those areas. Um, but for Bobo, that's a, that's a longtime SEC guy or a guy who really, you know, is known for his time at Georgia. And then some of these smaller positions, and I think more assistant coach positions that we'll get into here in a minute, um, are going to be just get Harson's guys from Boise State. Um, and that, you know, that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's guys that um, he wants to bring in. And as he has a culture and he has a system, he wants to be familiar with. And so that you would expect your new head coach to do that. Um, so it seems like a lot of guys are going to come from either his most recent Boise State staff, or they're going to come from, they're going to be guys that, um, you know, former Boise State coach who have coached with him whether it was his stint as an offensive coordinator there 
or who were on his staff as the head coach and have since taken another job. Um, really, those are going to be what a lot of the staff is made up of. So, um, you know, Harson's plan, it's, it seems like it's sort of coming together. You can definitely tell um, what he's trying to do here. As for what to expect next, um, what's going to happen next? So now we've got five official hires by Auburn. Um, Jeff Pittman, the strength and conditioning coach, I guess we haven't talked about that on the podcast um, since we last recorded, but um, Ryan Russell is obviously out at Auburn as strength and conditioning coach. And then Pittman is just, uh, he's been with Harson for a long time. Um, he was with him at Boise. He was with him when he was the head coach at Arkansas State. So he's just bringing his strength and conditioning coach. And then besides the three on-field coaches that we just talked about, um, Brad LaRondo is an off-the-field guy. He's been described um, as Harson's right-hand man. His official title is the Associate Athletics Director um, for Football Administration, um, and he's going to be called the Chief of Staff. That's, that's, that's kind of going to be his main title. And the only reason I bring that up is just because, I mean, people are more interested now than they've ever been um, about an off-the-field guy because you're interested to see who, who is coming with Coach Harson. You know, maybe you didn't know all the off-the-field guys beforehand um, on Gus Malzahn's staff. But so those are the guys. That's what we've got right now. Um, what happens next? So got a lot of other positions to fill. There are two names that seem like they're going to be hired. Um, and that's Brad Bedell, who was the offensive line coach and run game coordinator at Boise State under Harson. It seems like this is what our Philip Marshall reported a couple of days ago. It seems like he is going to be coaching the tight ends. And we say that because obviously Will Friend is the offensive line coach. And so you don't need an offensive line coach anymore. Um, and so with Bedell, it was like, okay, he's either going to coach the O-line or the tight ends. And now because you've got yourself an O-line coach, obviously he's going to slot into that tight end position. That's a guy that we still expect to come. Um, obviously things can change like they did with another name. And this is really the only other name here um, is Spencer Danielson. He was the defensive line coach at Boise state. And so we were sort of, you know, unsure of the title that he was going to have. Um, but it, it seemed clear that he was going to be following Harson and coming to Boise. Now there, there have been reports of him maybe wanting to stay in Boise. I think he's got a shot to win the defensive coordinator job in Boise. And obviously if that's the case, um, you know, you don't blame the guy. Maybe, you know, we don't even know what his role was going to be. Maybe he was going to be the straight up defensive line coach at Auburn. Um, but maybe not. Maybe he was only going to, maybe Travis Williams is staying as the linebackers coach and he's going to be the outside linebackers coach. Maybe he's going to be the edge rushers coach like Al Pogue was because he had that role at one point at Boise state. So keep an eye on that. Um, those are probably a couple of the names that are going to come next. Jeff Schmetting uh, is Boise state's linebackers coach. He's a guy to keep an eye on moving forward as well. He's a guy that's been reported as someone who's going to join the staff but between him and Danielson. It's kind of like, um, you know, one of them, defensive line, has coached outside linebackers. Now you've got this other guy who coaches linebackers, I believe inside linebackers. And Travis Williams, Auburn's current linebackers coach, was a guy that a lot of people thought Harson would retain. And so now you're in a situation where it's like, all right, are all three of them going to be here? Clearly there's going to be somebody out of that group. Um, so just keep an eye on those names. Obviously a lot of other positions to fill. Look, I mean, current Auburn assistants that haven't been ruled out um, is all of them all of them that haven't had their positions filled, you know, like the offensive line and coordinators. Um, Larry Porter, the special teams coordinator, um, we reported that he got an interview with Harson. Obviously, a lot of people want um, Cadillac Williams, the running backs coach. They want him back. But um, it does seem like Harson is looking around for some other 
running back coaches. Uh, Del McGee from Georgia is a guy that a lot of people are latching onto. Also got to keep an eye on South Carolina's running backs coach. This is Des Kitchings because he's thought there's some buzz that he could be a guy that, all right, you know, Bobo's already brought Will Friend over. Is Kitchings a guy that he is really high on from that South Carolina staff and wants as well? Um, and so, again, just sort of keep an eye out on, the, on those things. Um, it's Friday now, and, and I, I would expect us to have some more coaching news today. You know, yesterday was really the big day um, where you get both the coordinators locked in. Um, but there's a lot more. There's a lot more to go. This staff has really got to be filled out um, at mostly every other position. Um, and so if, if, you're an, if you're a subscriber, excuse me, to our website, auburnundercover.com, we've got kind of a running list going on our message board. Um, of all the guys you should be keeping an eye on, all the guys we've been hearing names of um, that you should be watching out for as Brian Harson looks to fill out his staff. So the other big news from early this week are the guys that are coming back to Auburn or leaving Auburn in terms of the players as the 2020, 2021 team um, starts to take shape. And so we'll get into those guys in just a second. We're going to take a quick break um, and we'll get back to the last segment talking about the Auburn players. Um, who are kind of on the fringe for the NFL draft. So we'll be right back. You're listening to the Auburn Undercover Podcast. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. And we are back on the Auburn Undercover Podcast. Uh, my name is Nathan King. Hope you guys have a good Friday today. If you're listening to this um, on the way to work, hopefully if you're listening to it on the way home from work, uh, you know, there hasn't been a ton of other, well, Actually, I do hope there's going to be a ton of other hires because I really don't want this coaching stuff to go on for much longer. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's been fun. I mean, a coaching change is really fun to cover from a, from a reporter's perspective. I've had a good time interacting with you guys um, and sharing information and talking about it and tweeting about it and writing about it. It's been a lot of fun. Um, a staff change, you know, it's a new era for the football team. You know, Brian Harson talked about it being the new Auburn. Um, so it is really exciting, but at the same time, it's it's a lot of work. Um, between this and the uh, between this and the head coaching search, um, it's been going on for some time. So um, it's been a really good time, though. Again, not going to complain about it. It's been a lot of fun talking with you guys and uh, sort of navigating this thing together because we're all sort of finding out things. You know, as we share information with y'all, um, we're all kind of finding this stuff out as it goes. And so things that we are not finding out as it goes, things that are just dropped on us via Twitter or Instagram announcements or however these players choose um, to decide are Auburn's um, NFL draft declarations. And so I guess I'll go over all of them that have been done so far. Hopefully I don't forget any. Uh, Anthony Schwartz and Seth Williams, Auburn's two leading receivers from last season. Actually, I'll go ahead and lump Eli Stove in there. All three of Auburn's top wide receivers are turning pro. Um, Eli Stove was a senior actually. But the NCAA, you know, they've got that rule this year that you can have an extra season. So he could have come back for his sixth season at Auburn. Um, he's been there a really long time because he got the medical red shirt, um, I believe, after his second year because of the torn ACL. And he played a lot. And he played a lot when he was young. Uh, when he was a true freshman, was his most productive season on the ground, actually, kind of as that speed sweep guy. If you remember his, uh, like, 75-yard touchdown run against Arkansas 
with Bo Jackson on the sideline. Um, that was him as a true freshman. And so it seems like he's been here forever because he's been so productive. Um, and so that's a, that's a testament to him. Um, that's a testament to Eli Stubb. So he is turning pro. He's not going to come back to Auburn next season. I think that kind of opens up the door next season. Uh, the flanker position, a lot of young, talented guys like a Kobe Hudson, um, a Malcolm Johnson Jr. trying to fill in his role. Anthony Schwartz is also turning pro. Um, the speedy slot receiver who um, sort of made a living this season. He did the best job of it this year than he ever had um, before. He had his best season this year by far, uh, burning the defense, getting behind the defense on those deep routes. Um, and if you're Bo Nix and you don't overthrow him, then uh, then you'll be good because he's the fastest college football player in the country. Um, he'll get drafted if you're unsure about that and unsure why he left. Um, I think most of it, a lot of it is just because you know, new offensive scheme, and you're an NFL-ready guy. Um, you don't really know what that's going to yield for you the next year. You don't know what that's going to look like. And he's coming off his most productive season. Um, there's no way around it that he got better as a route runner. This year, if you watch the tape on him, he really did. Um, he improved a lot as a route runner. He did a lot of other stuff with the ball in his hands than he, you know, than he did in the seasons before. He didn't really, wasn't really that weapon on the ground that he was. You sort of saw both he and Eli Stove go away from that this year not really being the speed sweep guys they used to be. And that's just because of the emergence of Tank Bigsby. Um, and this Auburn running game was so successful at some points in the season. Obviously, it got – once the injury started and then things started to kind of break down at the end of the season, it wasn't. Um, but Chad Morris, that wasn't really his thing. Auburn's offensive coordinator um, was to use those guys like that. He would rather pound you in the run game and, um, you know, throw it to the tight end rather than he wants to do a, a speed sweep. But still, anyway, Anthony Schwartz had his best college season. Um, and I think he'll get drafted. I mean, the, 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 the draft Knicks that I've talked to, uh, Jordan Reed from the Draft Network and, and Dane Brugler from The Athletic are two guys that I did stories with this season talking about Auburn's draft eligible guys. And both of them were pretty, uh, pretty clear in, in saying that they thought Anthony Schwartz was going to be drafted just because uh, speed talks in the NFL. Um, you know, you really, there's no team. This is what Dane Brugler said to me. Um, you know, there's not going to be any team in the NFL that's going to say, um, no, thanks. You know, we have enough speed. We'll, we'll be fine. We, we have enough speed, actually, but thank you. And I know that's not really how it's going to work. Um, you know, they want speed. They want the best athletes on the field. Um, they want the best players. So Anthony Schwartz, um, I think by the time the NFL draft rolls around, you'll see him getting taken. Um, and then Seth Williams closes out a phenomenal Auburn career. Um, three seasons, uh, three game-winning touchdown catches against Oregon, Texas A&M and Ole Miss, and a ton of other highlight reel plays. He's a guy that's going to be really fondly remembered um, by Auburn fans. He finishes as the number four leading receiver in terms of yards in program history, and number three in touchdowns with 17. And so um, Bo Nix losing his top three targets. But if you're Auburn, I think, you know, this is <laughs> something that Keith Niebuhr, um, my coworker at Auburn Undercover, said that I thought was pretty funny. He said a lot of people thought five receivers was too many for Auburn in the last recruiting class. That's how many they brought in. Um, a lot of people were like, you know, why, why, would you, why would you take that many? Well, they knew there was going to be a good opportunity this year um, that Eli Stove, Anthony Schwartz, and Seth Williams were going to leave. And obviously that wasn't a sure thing. But now, I mean, if you're Auburn, you're pretty glad you did. Um, and so guys like Elijah Canyon, who had the great bowl game, um, Xavion Capers, who had a really good season, um, was really in there all the time, played the most out of any of Auburn's freshman receivers, got injured in the bowl game, but he'll, he'll, um, foot injury I think he'll be okay by the time spring practice starts and then Kobe Hudson was another guy um, that got a lot of playing time 
in his freshman season. So um, the receivers room is sort of set up to be young but talented next season. Um, you wonder if Brian Harson will go after anybody in the transfer portal at that position, maybe to get a guy. Um, just somebody that comes to mind for me is Charleston Rambo, um, who's been a really productive receiver for Oklahoma for the past few years, is in the portal. Um, you know, obviously not that specific name, but somebody like that to look at an experienced guy who can sort of be, you, know, you can tell your young receivers, all right, you know, you guys got to fight for your jobs, um, fight to be the number one receiver. But this other guy, you know, he sort of just settles in um, to either the first, second or third receiver role. Um, and it's just productive for you while you're waiting for these other guys to sort of get their feet wet and get things figured out and become kind of full fledged receivers that you thought they would be when you signed them. Cause a lot of these guys, you know, four star prospects, they're going to be, they're going to be pretty good. So those are the, those were the first three guys. Um, and then the next one was Smoke Monday. He is coming back to Auburn. Um, the All-SEC safety, second team All-SEC. Um, definitely a fan favorite player, um, not only because of his awesome name, Smoke Monday, but he's just been a playmaker since he was a freshman. Uh, he and Jamie and Sherwood, the two starting safeties from this season, um, which, by the way, Sherwood has not made a decision. As we record this on Friday morning, he has not decided yet. He's a guy who would probably be drafted if he, if he went out. I'm not sure Monday would have been drafted. Uh, maybe he would have, but <clears throat> I didn't see him on a ton. <clears throat> excuse me. I didn't see him on a ton of draft boards. Sherwood, you saw more, but Sherwood hasn't made a decision yet. Anyway, Monday has you know, 108 tackles in his Auburn career. Uh, he had pick sixes in back-to-back seasons. Obviously, he had that really memorable one picking off Mac Jones. Um, in the first half of last year's Iron Bowl, and then he had a 100-yard pick six against Tennessee. But really, I mean, you, you just you watch him in any sort of Auburn game, any Auburn game that's happening. Um, he's going to be a guy that's flying to the ball and making a lot of plays um, and playing hard. And I think he, he had some problems in coverage, sure. Um, there were some times where he didn't necessarily take the best angles in coverage or, or uh, be the best guy in space. And, you know, when he gets one-on-one, somebody gets you know, a, a slot receiver one-on-one with a safety or something like that. Um, he didn't necessarily have the best moments all the time. But look, that's why you come back. That's why you come back for one more season. And I think that's what a lot of Auburn fans are really happy about was looking at Smoke Monday as a guy that plays with a ton of effort, a ton of heart. You know, he's a really exciting player to watch, but maybe has a few inconsistencies that now he can sort of, you know, work out in his final season at Auburn. Well, I guess it doesn't have to be his final season at Auburn because, um, you know, the senior year rule, the eligibility rule, he can come back for one more year. But he's a guy that you want to see come in um, and make these fixes. He'll be one of the defensive leaders, um, if, if not the leader of the defense. You know, there'll be no more K.J. Britt. You'll be looking to senior leaders. Um, if Big Cap Bryant doesn't come back for his, I guess, super senior season is what we should call it, um, then he'll be one of the guys. And so I think a lot of Auburn fans are really excited about that one. Another guy that could be, you know, their senior leader um, is Jacoby McLean. And this one might be even more important because he was a guy – um, SEC leading tackler with 113, um, also tied for the most tackles in college football. So he's the nation's leading tackler. He's tied with, uh, I believe, Carlton Marshall from Troy with 113 tackles, which is the most in the country, um, most in the SEC as well. He is coming back for his senior season. And so Zacoby McLean is a guy that a lot of Auburn fans recognize from, again, the past few seasons or even when he hasn't been a starter because both he and Smoke Monday weren't starters until this season. Um, and the only reason McLean was a starter was because of K.J. Britt's injury. K.J. Britt goes out, and both Zacoby McLean and Owen Papo, the two starting linebackers, they play pretty much every snap, every single game, because those young guys behind them were just true freshmen. They weren't ready for prime time, really. Now, some of them played more toward the end of the season, but 
really in the meat of the SEC schedule. Um, it was just Jacoby and Owen just going at it every single game. Um, and, man, they were impressive. I mean, neither of them were perfect. Um, obviously, Jacoby McClain, people are going to think about that dropped interception against Texas A&M. And there might be a, you know, there might be a parallel universe where he catches that ball and Gus Malzahn is still Auburn's head coach. Um, maybe. I don't, I don't think that would have been the case. But um, just a phenomenal season for him. He was the first Auburn player since 2001. That was Dontarius Thomas um, to average double-digit tackles per game. And so Auburn's got a chance now. Um, they're going to return three of their top five tacklers with Papo, Smoke Monday, and Zacoby McLean. And if Sherwood and Roger McCreary, the cornerback, decide to come back, both of them, that's going to be all five of their tacklers back, or, you know, at least four out of five if one of those guys goes pro. So some good news for Auburn's defense. Um, and then one more from Auburn's this defensive side of the ball. For Auburn was a bit of a surprise, but something that we had maybe um, – been I, I say it's a surprise and then I'm gonna you know backtrack and say we've been expecting it but um something maybe we had just been thinking about was whether Christian Tut Auburn's junior nickelback um playing that nickel slash star position what he was gonna do because he was injured in the Texas A&M game but I thought he was gonna be ready to play in the bowl game and then he didn't play in the bowl game he opted out of playing and so you're wondering okay you know is that because of the injury or is he mulling an NFL decision um and it turns out the latter was true he he declared for the nfl draft this has not been made official um we did report it last night um this has not been made official by him but we we can confirm it um i know that he has signed with an agent he's actually signed well, let me see if i can find the name of the agency he's actually signed with the same if you just look at the agencies there um so that's pretty if you if you're looking for official confirmation that's pretty much it um he signed with the same agency as seth williams and so that's pretty cool um but christian tut i mean not a guy that i've seen on a lot of draft boards or anything like that. Um, not a guy that um, has been, you know, talked about a lot. It's Gate City is the name of it, by the way, if you want to look it up. He and Seth Williams, both with Gate, Gate City, G-A-T-E. Um, he, but he's been the Auburn starting nickel for the past two seasons. Um, 87 tackles, three interceptions. A productive player who, like Smoke Monday, um, and like, you know, most other players, most other college football players, um, he had his flaws. And I think some people thought maybe he could come back for a senior season sort of correct some of those sometimes in pass coverage um he wasn't necessarily the best in one-on-one space against uh you know against a receiver down the field but at the same time playing nickel in the sec is really hard um it's a really difficult position to play because again you're asked to go against guys like elijah moore and guys like Devonte smith in the slot there um you might get matched up with them and, and they might be able to take you down down the field and there's good tight ends too you know if you're at that nickel position and you get matched up with a tight end. Now there's reason to be excited though, if you're Auburn fans with this news for next year, because talking about, you know, the 2021 roster taking shape, Ladarius Tennyson um, was a freshman. So now he's a rising sophomore. He played really well um, filling in for Christian Tut. So Tut didn't play the rest of the Texas A&M game. He didn't play the Mississippi state game. And then he did not play in the Citrus Bowl. So Ladarius Tennyson got all those minutes and he played really, really well. This is a guy, um, Tennyson, four-star prospect out of Florida in the 2020 class. He's in line for that starting job. Um, no question. I mean, I'd be completely shocked, excuse me, if Darius Tennyson was not Auburn's starting nickelback next season. Um, again, he, he plays really hard at the line of scrimmage, which is what you want out of a nickel. And he was pretty good in coverage. A lot of people thought, like, I'm not going to give this any sort of legs because I haven't looked into it enough to, to sort of say it. But I mean, a lot of people thought he played better than Tut and Auburn's defense sort of got an upgrade after Tut went out um, and they weren't as liable 
um, to busted coverages down the field and that t Tennyson sort of brought the same moxie toward the line of scrimmage that Tut did because Tut was a great, great tackler, great tackler in the open field um, when he was able to get downhill. He sort of, sort of just looked like a skinny linebacker, you know, somebody who's able to make a big tackle at the line of scrimmage. So Ladarius Tennyson will be the guy um, probably next season starting in that secondary. And speaking of the secondary, I mean, there's, there's one more guy there. Um, that's Roger McCreary, Auburn's number one cornerback. He had a great season. Um, really one of the SEC, in terms of, if you just look at pure coverage grade, like one-on-one -on -one coverage, he was one of the SEC's top cornerbacks this season. And so um, you know, I, I say there's only one more guy. Sherwood is there as well, but we've already talked about him. Um, if both of them come back, you're getting every single starter back from that secondary. Um, and, you, know, you might make a different decision, whether it's going to be Nehemiah Pritchett or whether it's going to be Jalen Simpson at the other cornerback spot, but still not losing any starters to the NFL. Um, or excuse me, Christian Tut. Wow. Completely screwed that up. <laughs> I meant you're going to have kind of guys that, that were starters at the end of the season. So Christian Tut, obviously you're going to lose that starter, but Tennyson is the guy that you were confident about being the starter at the end of the season. So Roger McCreary, Jamie and Sherwood, they're guys to keep an eye on. Um, the, the draft deadline to declare for the draft is January 18th, um, which without a calendar in front of me, I can't tell you what day of the week that is, but you know, keep an eye on this because there's still some decisions to be made um, for those guys on the defensive side of the ball. Trying to decide what they're going to do in terms of anybody else um, on the offensive side of the ball. Really, I mean, the, the, the biggest names have sort of already done their thing. Um, I would keep an eye out, you know, just for player. Every, every year you've got players that are surprising to you um, that make a surprising decision. Um, that's Monday, by the way the draft declaration deadline, not the Monday coming up of the national championship game, but the next Monday. Um, so they've got to, they got to make a decision by then. Um, but just keep an eye out. You know, there are guys that might come out and surprise you um, with an NFL draft decision. Obviously there's guys like big cap Bryant and Jordan Peters who are safeties or excuse me, Jordan is safety um, seniors. I meant to say they're both seniors. And so they have decisions to make. They wouldn't in a normal season, but because the NCAA gave everybody, an extra year of eligibility, um, they now have decisions to make because they might be able to come back for one more season. So that's going to be a combination of they might have decisions to make slash they've been talking with the coaching staff about whether it's the right move to come back or not. We'll see. We'll see both those guys. Um, so anything that happens, obviously McCreary, Sherwood, um, the rest of the guys that have to make a decision, we'll have it all covered on auburnundercover.com. I appreciate everybody listening to this um, solo podcast. <laughs> Definitely let me know. Um, how it goes. I had a good time sort of running through everything that happened and, and kind of giving my thoughts on it. Um, and so we'll see you guys next time we record. Going to be a lot more coaching news coming up, um, a lot more player news, a lot of exciting stuff going on. So make sure you guys go to auburnundercover.com and check it out if you haven't already. Lots of great stuff being written there and subscribe. Subscribe to the Auburn Undercover podcast. Well, subscribe to our website too if you haven't already, um, but subscribe to the podcast. That part's free um, wherever you listen to this, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this right now, um, give it a five-star rating and, and leave it a review. It, it helps. It really, really does help. The more you guys do that, um, the more the podcast kind of gets pushed to the top in terms of what's being recommended to people who listen to similar podcasts. So um, really helps us out. But overall, appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate everybody being on our website this week. Um, my name is Nathan King, and I will talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening. Have a good day.